Hello, and welcome to The Staffing Show, the only podcast that delivers tools, tips, and tactics from the staffing and recruiting industry's top executives and thought leaders. This episode is brought to you by Staffing Referrals, the only automated referral management platform chosen by smart staffing firms. Tired of wasting money on traditional job boards? Sick of reminding recruiters about promoting your referral program? Wish you could eliminate admin work spent tracking referrals and scheduling interviews? That's where Staffing Referrals comes in. Imagine transforming your entire talent pool into digital recruiters on behalf of your company. Think about how happy you'll make your team by eliminating wasted time spent tracking referrals and scheduling interviews. There's a reason that Staffing Referrals is one of the fastest growing software platforms in our industry. It's because staffing executives want to scale faster by automating recruiting processes. It's because with Staffing Referrals, you can actually see an ROI. And it's because our world is now more digital than ever and your candidates expect you to keep up. Don't get passed by the competition. Stop missing referrals and start recruiting smarter. Get staffing referrals and improve your tech stack today. To claim one free month, visit www.staffingreferrals.com slash show. That's staffingreferrals.com slash show. Hi, and welcome to The Staffing Show. I'm here today with Corey Robertson, who's a leading global expert on organizational culture, engagement and retention in the tech industry. And she has a client list that includes startups and Fortune 100 and 500 companies. And she's here to talk to us today a bit about leadership and creating strong culture. So welcome, Corey. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you, Caitlin. It's great to be here. And Happy New Year. Happy New Year. (laughs) Thank you. Can you share a little about your background with the audience? Sure. So my college experience, if we go back that far, had to do a lot with psychology and human relations and human performance. And then I went on to university and studied uh, communication. And then my early days of my career, I was heavily into advertising and magazine publishing and you know, large-scale events and really exciting, you know, really exciting fields to be in. Then from there, you know, while I was in that space as an employee, I got really curious around the difference between knowing leadership theory and actually applying it. And that's where Mm -hmm. I started to recognize that there was a really, really big gap. Because in my studies, I was always really conscious of leadership development and really alert to preparing myself to present myself as a leader in the workplace in my early days of my career. And so I didn't really see, you know, what I had been studying in leadership development. I didn't really see it in the workplace. But what I did see is that lack of, you know, leadership theory showing up in the workplace, it did take a massive toll on engagement and culture, you know, organizational culture. You know, there's a lot of toxic cultures, a lot of burnout, a lot of unnecessary conflict, a lot of wasted time. So when I had the opportunity to go into private practice, I jumped on it. And where that came from is I had, I was working my own business, living in the UK with my husband, and I was running a business offering marketing tactics to very small businesses. So I'd taken my experience that I gained from working in advertising and magazine publishing and events, and I distilled that down into bite-sized and accessible tactics for very, very small businesses. And I was blessed and graced with the opportunity to meet professional coaches. And this was in the day when 
coaching hadn't really caught on in Canada, where I'm from. It wasn't really big yet. The coaching was still really much the realm of, you know, the sports world. You know, mm-hmm. so I was like, what is this professional coaching business? You know, what is this? And so mm-hmm. one of these clients of mine who, who became a friend offered me his training material to look over. So I read over the material over the weekend and I enrolled for coaching, my own coach training that Monday morning. And that was in 2004. Mm-hmm. So now 2021, I am still, I still have very much a beginner's mind when it comes to coaching. You know, there's Mm. It's fascinating and it's powerful and it's transformational and it just answers so many of the questions that, you know, so many of the questions I think leaders should be asking right now. Mm. Mm-hmm. And can you share a little about what a coaching leadership style looks like? Sort of let our listeners in behind the curtain a little bit and what staffing leaders can learn from your orientation. Yeah, so coaching is a leadership style. It's really embedded in the coaching, you know, the primary coaching principle that most professional coaches embrace and most great coaching schools teach, and that's that all people are complete, resourceful, and whole. So when you look at your colleagues, you know, your peers, your direct report, when you look at people through the lens that the person you're talking to is complete, resourceful, and whole, it means they're strong. It means they're creative. It means they have experience and knowledge and intelligence. And given the right context and the right opportunity and being asked when a leader can ask the right questions, it means that coaching is a leadership style. The answers, the solution, the motivation, the innovation come from within the person as opposed Mm -hmm. to being directive and telling them what they should do based on your knowledge and experience. You know, you open it up, you mine for those golden nuggets within your colleagues. And when you have those skills, you know, and that's why coaching is catching on like wildfire. As soon as people realize the power, the potential this approach has, you don't look back because Mm -hmm. it's like, wow, this is amazing. And so that's the approach you take that, you know, the answer is is within the person. You don't need to give it to them. You don't need to cope. You don't need to hold their hand and be directive. Just give them some space and ask the right questions. Um, that's wonderful. And it seems like a much more collaborative leadership style than we traditionally hear about, I think. And also it seems like that orientation or like that leadership style requires that your employees, your team have a certain amount of psychological safety that you fostered to create that kind of back and forth and to help them really tap into their potential. So can you, I know you think a lot about the role of psychological safety and strong leadership. Can you talk a little bit about how that's created for a team? Yes. So, psycho, you know, the ICF core competencies for coaching includes an entire competency around establishing trust and safety. Mm-hmm. And the precursor competency to that is coaching presence. So, when a leader has a very, very strong presence, you know, and they're really able to ground themselves in the environment in a way that, you know, the team members and the colleagues know that if they make a mistake or if they speak up or, you know, if they say something that maybe wasn't the perfect thing to say, it's embraced. It's taken in as a learning experience. It's taken, you know, like even if a person says the wrong thing or makes a mistake, it's not, it's not the end of the world. It's a learning experience. We learn from this. It's an opportunity for growth because you know, mistakes happen. And when we can establish an environment where people can speak up, they can ask questions, they can elevate concerns, and they can say 
you know what? I think I blew it. You know, I think mm. I did the wrong thing. When that can happen, when that is psychological safety. And, you know, it's such an interesting paradox because people are so afraid of speaking up. They're so afraid of saying, listen, I see a train wreck on the way or I see something that's not quite mm-hmm. right. They're so afraid of doing that or saying, I think I went off course here. I think I need some help in course correcting now. When people are so afraid, when they don't have psychological safety, they hide that. They sweep it under the rug. They protect each other's backs. And what happens? These things fester and they get bigger and bigger. They snowball. By the time it comes to the attention of the leader, it's a full-out crisis. All because the leader didn't establish, you know, an environment, a culture of trust and safety. Where had there been Mm. one, this could have all been (laughs) surfaced, nipped Mm. in the bud, and solved before it became a thing. Mm. And can you sort of model this idea? Um, This is a question that I've asked a lot of guests recently, but it strikes me as particularly relevant right now. But can you talk about one of your failures or an apparent failure and how meeting it in this way set you up for success down the road? Uh, Okay, so there was a experience I had several years ago where my colleague and I were requested to come in and lead a mandate of leadership development. And it was a not-for-profit. The leader at the helm was very, what's the word? He really needed, he felt he really needed our help. And he was like, can you please come in here and help us? You mm-hmm. know, I, I don't know what else to do. So we made our suggestion, which included a needs assessment and a readiness assessment to really flesh out, is your team ready for this? You know, do they have the psychological safety to have leadership development coaches come in and help heal what's going on here? Mm -hmm. And he said at the time that he didn't have the budget for that and to trust him that it would be okay. And so we said, are you Mm -hmm. sure? Are you sure you have the backing, you know, of your seniors and your union to go forward with this? Because when, you know, you're going, what you're asking for is a culture change and culture change requires that everybody changes. And it's not always comfortable, it's not always easy, and it's not always appreciated. Mm -hmm. So you have to make sure that everybody is willing to and prepared to do the hard work of the self-discovery and the self-transformation. And he's, yes, 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 it's it's all fine. So, okay, so we we brought our uh, proposal down into the budget that he could afford by taking out these needs assessments and these readiness assessments. And guess what happened? They were not ready. <laughs> they were not ready for what you they brought. Were, they were not ready. And it would not have been natural for a group of folks who were suffering in their culture. They were not psychologically safe. There was a lot of infighting. There was a lot of toxicity. There was a lot of bad blood mm. that had been festering. They didn't feel psychologically safe. They were not ready for our intervention. And it would not have been natural for them to say, well, you know what, boss, we asked you for this, but we were wrong. We're not ready. What these consultants are bringing in, we're not ready for. Of course not. They're not going to say that. They said, get these two out of here. Get mm. them out of here. We're not doing this. Mm. And so, of course, that's what we got asked to, you know, if we wouldn't please cancel this contract, it's not going to work out. Mm. So I learned a really, really big lesson. You know, we were trying to accommodate somebody we felt needed us, somebody, you know, we were going to help them out. We were not for profit, it was a local thing. We're like, okay, we're going to, we're going to make this work, you know, to fit the budget because they, they need us. They weren't ready. You know, we made the mistake and that was where, you know, I refer to it as my failure. I should have, I'm shooting on myself right now, but should have known better. <laughs> right. And so learn from yeah, that. 
it was a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) It also seems like it helped you develop self-awareness around the fact that it was unnecessary to make these compromises to your services or your offerings, that it's one thing to work with a client, but it's another thing to sort of compromise what you know works. Like you have this coaching system, this development that works, and you were trying to make it work for the client. I see this coming up a lot in marketing, you know, in staffing, you're trying to make something work for someone. And sometimes what you need is to actually say, this is what we know works. Are you ready for what works or do we need to go elsewhere? Yes, 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 yes. And, you know, for the leaders who are listening, I'm sure, you know, if I speak directly for a moment, leaders, I'm sure you have called in consultants and coaches and all kinds of experts to prepare proposals for you. And I would say, trust them. You know, don't ask them to cut corners to save Mm. on your budget. Because if your consultant that you've trusted enough to come in and give you a proposal is suggesting that you cover bases before you launch in, listen to them. Don't cut corners. You might win in the long term of of saving some dollars or maybe saving some hours, but in the long run, it'll be a waste. I saw this great documentary a couple of months ago, and this one line stuck with me. He said, it's amazing how you never have the time or the budget to do things right the first time but you can always come Mm. up with extra time and extra budget to clean it up and fix it when it went wrong and you need to do it over again. (laughs) Isn't that great? That's perfect. Isn't that great? (laughs) You know, so going back to, you know, you were asking at the link between psychological trust and safety. It, It is critical to have presence as a leader, to be able to establish trust and safety on your team. It's absolutely critical. If you don't, have it now. Somehow you've lost it along the way, or maybe your team is still new and haven't had the opportunity to build that trust yet. It's definitely something, you know, in coaching, your coach can help you with that. And when I say coach, I do not use that term lightly. You know, professionally certified coaches, coaching is not a protective term. So anybody who wants to call themselves a coach can call themselves a coach. But if you really want the transformational results that professional coaches can bring, make sure you ask them about their credentials. Make sure they have credentials that they earn from the International Coach Federation, and then you'll get, you know, you'll get the results of all of the transformation that the profession promises. Mm. And it, it seems like also what you're pointing to is the need in leaders or with, in this process or in really any transformational process for sort of a baseline level of self-awareness. Can you talk a little mm-hmm. about how leaders can sort of assess <laughs> where they're at with self-awareness or how they can foster more self-awareness in their team? So self-awareness is you know, another huge leadership competency. It's part of emotional intelligence. And we say when you know better, you do better. So there's a lot of tools on the market, instruments that you can start with. I use a psychometric called Luminous Spark. You know, a psychometric is the industry term for what is often called a personality test. Mm-hmm. I don't particularly like the term personality test because everybody approaches them when you use that term. They think that there's a right or wrong or a good or a bad or if I don't answer this properly, I won't get a promotion. Or So if you start there, it opens some windows, you know, or it opens the curtains. <laughs> so you can start getting some awareness mm-hmm. around how your personality shows up 
to others, how your communication style shows up, some of the strengths in your personality, some of the overextensions that might show up. And, you know, in the, the language that I like to use the best, the way I put it is, as I explained, when you're overextended, you know, when you're stressed out, exhausted, hungry, grieving, taken by surprise, whatever the case may be, you go into an overextension. And when we're overextended, it's a human reaction to overuse your strengths. You know, so if you're a very competitive person and that's how you always mm. get the results you want because you're a go-getter, that competitive quality will start to look like needing to win at any cost when you're overextended. Being results-oriented could become being overly demanding. So all of those mm. wonderful extroverted qualities that we'd love can become overbearing. So. Mm. We call it overusing a strength. You know, we overdo what we know works. Mm. So when you have self-awareness, when you start feeling stress in your body, when you start feeling stress in your day-to-day, when you can observe the changes that happen in your body and your mind and your soul when you're overextended, and you know, I'm going to start overusing my strength, I'm going to become too much of a good thing, I have to rein that in. It's always, the onus is always on the leader. When you are a leader, even if you're just a leader of yourself, I'm not just referring Mm -hmm. to leaders of teams and others. If you have responsibilities, if you're an adult with responsibilities, you're a leader. Nurture the sense of self-awareness. And when you have that self-awareness, when you start becoming attuned to the traits and the characteristics of the qualities and the over, have these qualities show up in overextension, you can start noticing it in others. And especially when you've noticed Mm -hmm. it in others, then you can take a coaching opportunity and ask, just sit down and say, what is going on for you right now? Something's not working. Mm. Again, before it escalates beyond control and before it escalates into a crisis situation, rein it in, sit Mm. down, have a talk, see what can be moved around. That's so interesting because it seems like without that self-awareness, toxic cultures can be created out of sort of a calcification of these over-relying on strengths. This whole organization can be just each person being overextended and over-relying on their strengths, and that can really start to become a culture of a place. And so it seems like what you're really pointing to is how self-awareness can disrupt even that, even that larger organizational poison. Yes. And, you know, when there's poison, and, you know, we're overusing our strengths because we're trying hard to do a good job. We're trying hard to Mm -hmm. deliver on the results that are being demanded of us, right? Everybody at work, you know, I believe is trying one in their best way to do what they've been asked to do. But when Mm -hmm. there's overextension and we're overusing our strengths and, we're, you know, we end up damaging relationships, right? Mm -hmm. And when relationships are damaged, trust and safety is damaged. And some of those damaged relationships, some of the damage... It's really hard to recover from. You know, feelings, mm-hmm. you know, I know we're, you know, we're not just talking about feelings at work. You know, I know they've always said there's no place for emotions in the workplace. <laughs> That's ridiculous. You know, human beings mm-hmm. cannot accept. We're more emotional than we are logical as human beings. Mm-hmm. So once our feelings are hurt, once our egos are hurt, and I know egos get a bad rap as well, but they're not always bad things. You know, once those things have been damaged and you can look to another person and place blame. Say, you know, when you said that in the meeting, you embarrassed me or you insulted me or you threw me under the bus. When those things happen, trust is broken. 
trust and safety is broken. And then people go up, you know, their guards go up or they, you know, in some cases look for retaliation or then they start hoarding knowledge or hoarding resources. And, you know, here's a company trying to accomplish something in an environment where there's a lack of self-awareness, there's a lack of trust and safety, there's a lack of leadership presence, you know, and it's, it's heartbreaking. Especially, this is people's lives, not just livelihoods. Mm. You know, it's lives. It's your mm-hmm. day, <laughs> your work <laughs> day, your time, environment. Yeah, it's your life. It's your career, and yeah. there's no reason. <laughs> there is no reason it has to be like that. Yeah, it seems especially important in the year we've all just lived through to acknowledge how much impact feelings can have in a workplace. You know, like. The majority of people in this industry, the majority of our listeners, the majority of everyone I know, gone through some pretty intense grief during the past year that impacted productivity, that impacted really every facet of life from top to bottom. And it seems like what you're outlining here is a way to rethink of work in a way that includes the whole person. That's so beautifully said. Yes. Rethink work in a way that includes the whole person. Absolutely. And I want to, I feel like we've gotten into a really great theoretical place. And I'm wondering if we can identify some things that our listeners can do sort of on the ground right now to help foster that kind of wholeness, self-awareness and safety. Some tactics, like, you know, a to-do list. <laughs> Maybe that's antithetical to what we're talking about. <laughs> Maybe that's just um, no. I, I think I think so there's some groundwork that could be prepared goes. for sure. Mm-hmm. What do yeah, we what do? are we going to do about what this? What do we do? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's great, and you know, and that's another really important aspect. You know, when you're considering the coaching, the coaching side, because there is a creating awareness, which is one of, again, it's coaching competency number seven, is creating awareness, self-awareness, awareness of others, awareness of your environment, but it's also managing progress and growth, because now that we have all of this awareness and knowledge and continuing, so what are we going to do with it? How do we create a better future? What are we going to do? So to lay the groundwork it's, I think it's really important. Like I was sharing that story before of the organization that the leader thought his team was ready, but they were not. So if this conversation is resonating, listeners, go out there, find yourself some consultants, meet a few, find someone that you click with, and start by running your needs assessment. Uh, you know, an employee engagement survey, um, you know, just get a sense. You know, maybe sit down with your senior leadership team and Bring in the consultant and have a really good talk around what is the purpose of our organization? What are we trying to achieve? Why are we trying to achieve it? There's a lot right now on how important it is to have a purpose. Like, why are we here? What is the good of this organization? And most organizations do good. You know, although it might not be obvious on the surface, mm-hmm. if you scratch a bit, you can find what it is that this organization does in service to something greater than the self. So mm-hmm. just start there. Start by assessing what do we need and, you know, what's our purpose? What's our vision? So what is better in the world when we've succeeded at what we're out here to do? And then the mission, how do we go about doing it? And then you, when you're talking about the mission, like how are we going to do, go about doing it? And then that becomes a big leadership question. 
So what are the behaviors that align with our values? You know, because we can all say, you know, we value profit. There's lots of ways of getting profit. Mm-hmm. I can roll up my sleeves and work really hard and be smart and build great relationships, or I could rob a bank. Lots of ways of making money, <laughs> but there's different mm-hmm. values. <laughs> you know, there's lots of different sets of values that will propel your behavior in certain directions. And that's where we see a lot of conflict in organizations is we, we have the same value around what we want to achieve, but we don't mm-hmm. have the same agreement around what are our behaviors that align with the values. How do we treat people? How do we mm-hmm. talk to people? How do we dress? How do we treat our suppliers? Do we treat our suppliers and our clients the same way? That's a good mm-hmm. test of your <laughs> of your integrity, right? Right. Uh, you, you, know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, do we treat our direct reports the same way as we treat our clients? Mm-hmm. You know, so all of those things are really, really important to look at. If you have a really great organizational development structure, you know, then you start building these things into your the way you assess performance mm-hmm. instead of just sitting down with somebody once a year and saying satisfactory, unsatisfactory, <laughs> these expectations. Mm-hmm. Like, to what? How are you getting your results <laughs> based on what our values are? So a really great leadership development coaching team. It's a great investment if this if these kinds of things are important. The studies that have been done around the connection between employee engagement and customer loyalty, like there's no denying it. Fostering mm-hmm. strong cultures of employee engagement will lead to employee loyalty, but also customer loyalty. And when you've got employee loyalty and customer loyalty, that's hands down money in the bank. So you've given our listeners a lot of very like golden advice. Is there any advice that you come up with or sort of traditional knowledge in your profession that you think we should do away with? Are there any bad recommendations you hear in your profession? Yeah. So coaches, for us, we don't like the notion of giving advice. Mm. So we think advice can, you know, for the most part, advice is not needed or necessary. Now, I so will put a, a caveat in there. <laughs> yeah. So if, for example, if you need a lawyer, then you'll need advice. Or if you need an accountant or a doctor, you, you know, you need to consult with them for advice. But when it comes to somebody coming in your office, giving you, a, you know, they says, give you a call or ask you for a Zoom meeting. And, and they said, you got a minute? Like, I need your advice on something. Mm. Don't give it. Instead, have a coaching conversation because you'll notice, you know, you'll give your best advice over and over and over and over and over again, and the problem doesn't go away. It comes back around. You know, maybe it was resolved in the moment, but the person will come back or somebody will come back with a similar problem, and you think, why am I, it feels like Groundhog Day. I'm always answering this question. Or, you know, you give your best advice with your best intentions, and all of your experience and your knowledge goes into this answer, and the person goes, yeah, but uh, that will work for me. We've tried that before. So we've got to scratch the surface more. It's really not advice the person needs. You know, I, I, when we started our conversation this afternoon, you know, I said coaches believe that people are creative, resourceful, and whole. And that's mm-hmm. the mindset that coaches have. So when you believe that, you know that people don't need advice. And it's really hard because our mm-hmm. currency, our value is based on what we've learned you know, the experience we've acquired and how we can transform that into solutions and results. Mm. It's not about asking people and taking the time and having the presence and trusting and making them feel safe enough to come up with that answer themselves. They just want you to Mm. tell them what to do so that they can get out of here, go into the next thing. (laughs) But 
So that would be the, you know, to challenge traditional wisdom. And I got a lot of pushback on this in my coach training courses where I start saying, you know, and I start giving the, the modules. When you're coaching someone, you're not telling them what to do. You're not telling them what to think. You're not giving them content from your brain because they've got content in their own brains. Mm. And that's tough. That's a huge yeah. mind flip for people mm-hmm. to get there, get into. But once it starts working, like, you know, you need a couple of experiences where you go, oh, I did that coaching thing and it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the person you're talking to will say, oh my God, you know, you're such a genius. You just gave me the right idea, or the greatest idea. And as the coach, you go, I didn't give you any ideas. I just listened to you oh, and I asked you mm-hmm. questions. I fed you mm-hmm. back what I was hearing, and you said the idea. I just heard mm-hmm. you say it and asked you about mm-hmm. it, and it came to life in that instance. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is related. It feels very related, but if for leaders listening, we're looking ahead at 2021. Many question marks seem to be in the past ahead of us, but what can leaders do to really strengthen themselves and their teams for this year of uncertainty? Oh, boy, that is such a huge question. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've contemplated this a lot just for my own personal well-being and the well-being of my family. I think for 2021, I think we have to reset every every time we start feeling the stress. And even if you woke up feeling in a fairly decent mood, it's really easy to get thrown off, right, by watching the news or listening, mm-hmm. you know, getting a call from somebody who's stressed out. So. For my personal practice right now, it's about resetting back to the moment. Like in this moment, I'm going to take a deep breath and I'm going to remind myself that I'm going to remind myself of all the things that are okay right now. I'm going to look around and I'm going to put my hands on the things. I'm going to look at the things that are okay. Mm-hmm. Remind mm-hmm. myself of those things that I can rely on right now because there is so much uncertainty. And for those who have the budget for it and who feel confident investing, I think 2020 was such a huge duck and cover year. So many things went on hold, on pause. Everybody was just looking to see what's happening next. I think 2021 leaders in the organizations, you know, there are some industries that are thriving because of COVID and everything else that's going Mm -hmm. on. Invest in your people. Invest in all of these things that we're talking about, leadership development, employee engagement, customer loyalty, society, you know, revisit your purpose. Call a Zoom meeting with your staff and talk about your purpose. Give each other something to feel great about. I love that. I think revisiting our purpose after the year we just had is a brilliant place to start. And actually, (laughs) and to always come back to. You know, it's a great anchor, right? It's a great anchor on so many levels. Like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing Mm. this? Well, because people out there need this. They need what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. They need what this company offers, and I have a role to play. There's no company that has ever complained about having too many employees, right? It's like, oh, Mm -hmm. I have way too many people working for me. No, everybody's (laughs) job is essential. If you're there, your job is important. Regardless of how many direct reports you have, or regardless of your PL, mm-hmm. or regardless of your size of your team, what your office looks like, if you work there, you're important because your organization mm-hmm. is important. You have an important purpose. If your organization fulfills its mission and the world becomes a better place when you achieve your goals and you helped with that, that's something mm-hmm. that's inspiration. So that's an amazing mm-hmm. reason to get out of bed in the morning and be strong. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a beautiful perspective. and. I want to thank you so much for bringing so much hope and 
a path forward kind of in all of this uncertainty as we start off 2021. So thank you so much for that, Corey. My pleasure. Thank you for giving me a platform to share. And thank you to everybody who's listening and just resonated with anybody. I wish you all the best with your mission. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to The Staffing Show. Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter at staffinghub.com to never miss an episode. Until next time.